Chapter thirty seven of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter thirty seven Two Poor Children by this time i owe it to all the kind people who have felt some pity for our bardie and her fortunes to put off no longer a few little things which i ought to tell them in the first place they must not think of me but look upon me as nobody treat me in fact as i treat myself and never ask what i knew just now and what i came to know afterwards only to trust me as now they must to act in all things honourably and with no regard to self and not only that but with lofty feeling and a sense of devotion towards the members of the weaker sex captain drake bampfylde was the most unlucky of born mortals to begin with he was the younger son of that very fine sir philip and feeling that he had far more wit an enterprise than his elder brother while thankful to nature for these endowments he needs must feel amiss with her for having mismanaged his time of birth now please to observe my form of words i never said that he did so feel i only say that he must have done so unless she had made him beyond herself which from her love for us she hardly ever tries to do however he might have put up with that mistake of the goddess that sits cross-legged i have heard of her i can tell you and a ship named after her though to spell her name would be a travail to me fatal perhaps at my time of life i mean to say at any rate that young drake bampfylde might have managed to get over the things against him and to be a happy fellow if he only had common luck but providence having gifted him with unusual advantages of body and mind and so forth seemed to think its duty done and to leave him to the devil afterwards this is a bad way of beginning life especially at too young an age to be up to its philosophy and the only thing that can save such a man is a tremendous illness or the downright love of a first-rate woman thence they recover confidence or are brought into humility and get a bit of faith again as well as being looked after purely and finding a value again to fight for after abandoning their own not that drake bampfylde ever did slip into evil courses so far as i could hear of him or even give way to the sense of luck and abandon that of duty I'm only saying how things turn out with nineteen men out of twenty. In spite of chances, he may have happened just to be the twentieth. I know for sure that he turned up well, though vexed with tribulation. Evil times began upon him when he was nothing but a boy. He fell into a pit of trouble through his education, and ever since from time to time new grief had overtaken him a merrier little chap or one more glad to make the best of things could not be found as was said to me by the cook and also the parlour-maid he would do things when he came out among the servants beautifully and the maids used to kiss him so that his breath was taken away with pleasing them 
and then he went to school and all the maids and boys and men almost came out to see the yellow coach and throw an old shoe after him this however did not help him as was seriously hoped and why because it went heel foremost from the stupidity of the caster news came in a little time that there was mischief upward and that master drake must be fetched home to give any kind of content again for he was at an ancient grammar school in a town seven miles from exeter where everything was done truly well to keep the boys from fighting only the habit and tradition was that if they must fight fight they should until one fell down and could not come to the scratch again and drake had a boy of equal spirit with his own to contend against not however of bone and muscle to support him thoroughly but who could grieve or feel it half so much as young drake bampfylde did when the other boy in three days time died from a buzzing upon his brain he might have got into mischief now even though he was a far higher family than the boy who had foundered instead of striking but chiefly for the goodwill of the school and by reason of the boy's father having plenty of children to feed and consenting to accept aid therein that little matter came to be settled among them very pleasantly only the course of young drake's life was changed thereby as follows the plan of his family had been to let him get plenty of learning at school and then go to oxford colleges and lay in more if agreeable and so grow into holy orders of the church of england well worth the while of any man who has a good connection but now it would seem without thinking twice that all the disturbers and blasphemers of the nonconformist tribe now arising everywhere as in dirty hezekiah and that greasy hepzibah who dared to dream such wickedness concerning even me every one of these rogues was sure to cast it up against a parson in his most heavenly stroke of preaching that he must hold his hand for fear of killing the clerk beneath him and so poor drake was sent to see the place for all the scapegoats here ill fortune dogged him still as its manner always is after getting taste of us he heeded his business so closely that he tumbled into the sea itself and one of those brindle-bellied sharks took a mouthful out of him nevertheless he got over that and fell into worse trouble to wit in a very noble fight between his britannic majesty's sloop of war hell goblins carrying twelve guns and two carronades which came after my young time and the french corvette eloise of six-and-twenty heavy guns he put himself so forward that they trained every gun upon him of course those fellows can never shoot anything under the height of the moon because they never stop to think nevertheless he contrived to take considerable disadvantage by a random shot they carried off the whole of one side of his whiskers and the hearing of the other ear fell off though not involved in it the doctors could not make it out however i could thoroughly from long acquaintance with cannon-balls also he had marks of powder under his skin that would never come out being of a coarse-grained sort and something like the bits of tea that float in rich folks teacups happening as he did by nature to be a fine florid and handsome man this powder vexed him dreadfully nevertheless the ladies said loving powder of their own that it made him look so much nicer 
that however was quite a trifle when compared to his next misfortune being gazetted to a ship and the whole crew proud to sail under him he left the downs with the wind abaft and all hands in high spirits there was nothing those lads could not have done and in less than twelve hours they could do nothing a terrible gale from south-west arose in spite of utmost seamanship they were caught in the callipers of the varn and not a score left to tell of it these were things to try a man and prove the stuff inside him however he came out gallantly for being set afloat again after swimming all night and half a day he brought into the portland roads a crapo ship of twice his tonnage and three times his gunnage and now his sailors were delighted having hope of prize money that they never got of course which no doubt was all the better for their constitutions but their knowledge of battle led them to embark again with him having sense as we always have of luck and a crooked love of a man whose bad luck seems to have taken the turn and yet their judgment was quite amiss and any turn taken was all for the worse captain bampfylde did a thing which even i in my hotter days would rather have avoided he ran a thirty-two gun frigate under the chains of a sixty-four he thought that they must shoot over him while he laid his muzzles to her water-line and then carried her by boarding nothing could have been finer than this idea of doing it and with eight french ships out of nine almost he must have succeeded but once more his luck came over like a cloud and darkened him the frenchmen had not only courage which they have too much of but also what is not their gift with lucky people against them self-command and steadiness they closed their lower ports and waited for the englishmen to come up they knew that the side of their ship fell in like the thatch of a rick from the lower ports ten feet above the enemy they had their nettings ready and a lively sea was running it grieves as well as misbecomes me to describe the rest of it the englishmen swore with all their hearts at their ladders the sea and everything and their captain was cast down between the two ships and compelled to dive tremendously in a word it came to this that our people either were totally shot and drowned or spent the next sunday in prison at brest now here was a thing for a british captain such as the possibility of it never could be dreamed of to have lost one ship upon a french shoal and the other to a frenchman drake bampfylde but for inborn courage must have hanged himself outright and as it was he could not keep from unaccustomed melancholy and when he came home upon exchange it was no less than his duty to abandon pleasure now and cheerfulness and comfort only to consider how he might redeem his honour in the thick of this great trouble came another three times worse i know not how i could have borne it if it had been my case stoutly as i fight against the public's rash opinions for this captain was believed and with a deal of evidence to have committed slaughter upon his brother's children and even to have buried them he found it out of his power to prove that really he had not done it nor had even entertained a wish that it might happen so everybody thought how much their dying must avail him and though all had a good idea of his being upright most of them felt that this was nothing in such strong temptation i have spoken of this before and may be obliged again to speak of it only i have rebutted always and ever shall rebut low ideas yet if truly he did kill them was he to be blamed or praised for giving them good burial the testimony upon this point was no more than that of an unclad man which must of course have been worthless 
until they put him into a sack and in that form received it this fellow said that he was coming home towards his family very late one friday night and he knew that it was friday night because of the songs along the road of the folk from barnstaple market he kept himself out of their way because they had such a heap of clothes on and being established upon the sands for the purpose of washing his wife and children who never had seen water before and had therefore become visited he made a short cut across the sands to the hole they had all helped to scoop out in a stiff place where some roots grew this was his home and not a bad one for a seaside visit at any rate he seemed to have been as happy there as any man with a family can experience especially when all the members need continual friction this fine fellow was considering how he could get on at all with that necessary practice if the magistrates should order all his frame to be covered up and fearing much to lose all chance of any natural action because there was a crusade threatened he lay down in the moonlight and had a thoroughly fine roll in the sand before he had worn out this delight and while he stopped to enjoy it more he heard a sound not far away of somebody digging rapidly or at any rate if it was not digging it was something like it the weather was wonderfully hot so that the rushes scarcely felt even cool to his breast and legs in that utterly lonely place for now the road was a mile behind him and the sands without a track and the stars almost at midnight there came upon him sudden fright impossible to reason with he had nothing to be robbed of neither had he enemy as for soul he never yet had heard of any such ownership but an unknown latitude of terror overpowered him nothing leads a man like fear and this poor savage though so naked was a man of some sort therefore although he would far liefer have skulked off in the crannian shadows leaving the moon to see to it he could by no means find the power to withdraw himself like that the sound came through the rushes and between the moonlit hillocks so that he was bound to follow it crouching through the darker seams and setting down his toe-balls first as naked feet alone can do step by step he drew more near though longing to be further off and still he heard the heel struck spade and then a cast and then the sullen sound of sand a-sliding then he came to a hollow place and feared to turn the corner being by this time frightened more than any words can set before us back he stroked his shaggy hair and in a hat of rushes laid his poor wild face for gazing and in the depth of the hollow where the moonlight scarcely marked itself and there seemed a softer herbage than of dry junk rushes but the banks combed over so as to bury the whole three fathoms deep at their very first subsiding a man was digging a small deep grave on the slope of the bank and so as to do no mischief any longer two little bodies lay put back not flung anyhow but laid as if respect was shown to them each had a clean white nightgown on and lay in decorous attitude only side by side and ready to go into the grave together the man who was digging looked up at them and sighed at so much necessity and then fell to again and seemed desirous to have done with it so was the naked man who watched him fright by this time over creeping even his very eyeballs he blessed himself for his harmlessness and ill-will to discipline all the way home to his own sands hill and a hundredfold when he came to know after the dregs of fright had cleared that he had seen laid by for coolness by this awful grave-digger the cocked hat of a british captain in the royal navy this hat he had seen once before and wondered much at the use of it 
and obtained an explanation which he could not help remembering and fitting this to his own ideas he was as sure as sure could be that captain bampfylde was the man who was burying the children now when this story reached the ears of poor old sir philip whether before or after his visit to our country matters not it may be supposed what his feelings were of sorrow and indignation he sent for this savage who seemed beyond the rest of his tribe in intelligence as indeed was plainly shown by his coming to bathe his family and in spite of all the difference of rank and manner between them questions manifold he put but never shook his story and then he sent to exeter for a lawyer thoroughly famous for turning any man inside out and putting what he pleased inside him but even he was altogether puzzled by this man in the sack wherein he now lived for decorum's sake however raw it made him and the honest fellow said that clothing tempted him so to forsake the truth when he could not tell his own legs in it that it sapped all principle that question is not for me to deal with nor even a very much wiser man except that my glimpses of foreign tribes have all been in favour of nudity and the opposite practice is evidently against all the bent of our civilised women who are perpetually rebelling and more and more eager to open their hearts to their natural manifestation for the heart of a woman is not like a man's desperately wicked and how can they prove this unless they show its usual style of working only the other day i saw blank but back i must go to the heart of my tale in a word this fine male savage convinced every one he came into contact with which after his bathing was permitted if the other man bathed afterwards that truly surely and with no mistake he must have seen something what it was became naturally quite another question and upon this head no two people could be found of one opinion but though it proved an important point i will not dwell too long on it captain drake's boat to my firm belief never came once up the river now and i thought that my beautiful young lady seemed a little grieved at this every now and then she crossed on her way to see old women and even that old mother bang and the french maid became a plague to me she had laid herself out to obtain me because of the softness with which i carried her and her opposition to my quid naturally set her heart all the more upon me i will not be false enough to say that i did not think of her sometimes because she really did go on in a tantalizing manner and we seemed to have between us something when her lady's back was turned however she ought to have known that i never mean anything by this and if she chose to lie back like that and put her red lips toppermost the least thing she should have done was first to be up to our manners and customs End of chapter thirty seven